This is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to our show. This is Beth McCord, your Enneagram coach, and I'm really excited today because in this episode, I'm going to give you an inside look into my coaching space and what it's like to actually help someone discover their Enneatype. Yes, that's right. Today, I'm going to conduct a live typing session. And for those that are you, of you that are considering becoming an Enneagram coach, I'm going to give you a look as to what this feels like, what it's like to sit down with someone to help them to discover their Enneagram type. And I'm also going to model some of the principles that I teach in our Become an Enneagram Coach course, which we're going to be reopening right here around the corner, November 1st to the 10th. And so for any of you that are interested in becoming a certified Enneagram coach, this is your chance. And I'm really excited because coaching is literally my favorite thing to do. And with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to our guest today. And let me just let you know, I have never met him before. So this is truly a real typing session by an Enneagram coach. So today our guest is Avery Rodriguez. Avery, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really excited to do this. I've never done anything like this before. I know. And here we are like doing it live on a podcast. This is so much fun. Okay. Well, Today, we're going to really help our listeners kind of get a grasp of what the journey is like to actually go through a typing session, which is your side of of everything, but also what it's like to be a coach and to ask curious questions Mm. and to guide, but not persuade a person on a type, but to guide. So that's really what we're going to do. But before we jump in, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. I grew up in New Jersey um, to a single mom. So she raised me. I have a younger brother. So she raised my brother, Angel, and I uh, on her own. And we kind of, you know, growing up in New Jersey, things were, were tough. We definitely weren't in like the, um, in, a, in a real cozy kind of situation as, as far mm-hmm. as all that goes. Socioeconomically, we were definitely on the lower end um, and kind of just making ends meet, you know. And, and yeah. so my mom... She's epic. I love her. We have a phenomenal mm-hmm. relationship. Uh, I'm sure she'll geek out when she hears this. And so, um, <laughs> but say, hey, mom. Yeah, yeah I know. Hey, mom. <laughs> like, uh, but but she really did. She really, you know, she worked really hard to to do the best she could for my brother and I. And um, so I, when I when I was in high school, uh, I I became a Christian, and that's like a really big part of my story. Prior to that, I didn't grow up in or around Christianity or, or the church or anything like that. So in high school, when that happened, it, it was a real big paradigm shift for me, just in the way that I, I thought and viewed life and, and governed my life and, and the things that I pursued. And it, it kind of led me to uh, pursuing an education in ministry and, and theology and biblical studies. And so moved to Arkansas, far away from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. That uh, is far. Oh my gosh. Moved to Arkansas to kind of pursue that education a little bit more further and hands on. And so started working with nonprofits and working for a church up in the central Arkansas area. And it's actually at that point, I ended up meeting my wife, my wife, Carissa. So funny thing is she's from Hawaii. I'm from New Jersey. We met in the middle. We met in Arkansas. And, and uh, you know, we, we met and 
it's kind of a, you know, that's the story ever since, right? We met, we, we started dating a little while after and, uh, you know, Arkansas had a way, has a way of sticking on you, man. It's such a, it's a beautiful place and the people are phenomenal. We really love it. And so we've been here for about 10 years now. Uh, I work for City Church. So it's a church that's in historic downtown Conway, right? Like right in the heart of the city. We're a big college town and we've got a huge heart for the people here and we love it. I'm, I'm really passionate about, you know, Jesus and, and seeing the church uh, fulfill its kind of its duties and its mission. And um, I love meeting people. There's no, there's no such thing as a stranger, just friends you haven't made yet, right? Amongst other things. So yeah, it, it's really, really fun. And how long have you guys been married? We've been married now for five years. Well, it's so fun to hear your story. And like you said, just the two totally opposite sides of almost the world yeah. coming together in the middle. Um, that's just great. So just to let our audience know what we had done for Avery is to have him take our free assessment at yourenneagramcoach.com. So he did that. I yep. uh, got his results, send those to us. But I also had him take our free core motivations, uh, kind of PDF uh, front and back. And anyone that wants to see that, it is at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash core motivations. Um, that's also in the show notes. But what we did is, so we had him take the first assessment. And then on the core motivations, we asked that he rank the core motivations according to what he felt were the main driving force behind why he thinks, feels, and behaves in particular ways. And so we did basically two different kinds of assessments. You know, we did one that was just questions that he answered and then the, and then gave us a percentages of all the nine types and where he scored, but then one that's more personal that he had to decide what fit him best. And that just gives us, um, and for me at least, it gives me a really good overview of are these matching up? Are they not at all? Um, so here is how he scored in the free assessment at yourenneagramcoach.com. So when we uh, test people through our free assessment, they go through um, dozens of uh, questions and they rank them between, you know, totally not like me all the way to totally agree this is me and anywhere in, in the middle. And so that then gives you a percentage. When they're done with that section of questions, then they have five more questions and those five remaining questions are just seeing which one they're going to pick on the top two scores thus far. So sometimes, and just like it has happened for Avery is, <laughs> is that he, his percentage was higher for his second one. So let me try to explain that. So when he finished, his kind of the, the majority of the questions type eight had the largest percentage of like, this is me. And then type three. So type eight had 83%, type three had 80%. But in those last five questions, when they're kind of pitted uh, next to each other, he ultimately chose type three. So for me as an Enneagram coach, I'm kind of sitting here going, okay, this is interesting, you know, and, and that's very common and normal, but it helps us to to help them at the very end kind of pick which one is really them instead of just the percentages. So it really is a great way to kind of filter it down even more. 
Okay, so here's how it kind of the rundown. I'm just going to give you a few of them. So type three was 80%. Type eight was 83%. But remember, type three, he chose the most. Um, And then type two was 77%. And then type six was 71%. And then with type one is 69%. And then it kind of goes from there. But here's what's interesting. When you give someone the uh, core motivation sheet and have them rank each one, one through nine, so one being, oh my gosh, this is so me, to nine being like, I don't even know if this exists in me. Because remember, we use all nine types to varying degrees. So we're just ranking them as we feel that they are a motivating factor for us. So for him, actually, uh, the top three were identical to how he scored in the assessment. So type Three was what he chose first, then type eight, then type two. But then the fourth one and fifth one was type five and seven. So type six was actually a little bit lower compared to the assessment. So I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. Like, okay, so type six, he had scored as a 71, but he put it as eighth on his list. So it just makes me curious, but I'm going to keep that kind of in the back of my mind. So with that being said, because the three, the eight, and the two are ranked highest on both tests, that gives me a pretty good launching pad to start our conversation. Um, so, Avery, let's kind of dive into um, a little bit about the core motivations of those three types. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the type three's core motivations, let's start with their core fear. The core fear is being exposed of or thought of as incompetent, inefficient, worthless, that they're failing or that they cannot be successful. Um, They desire to have high status respect, to be admired, successful, and valuable. But the core weakness is deceit. And this is where they're deceiving themselves into believing that they're only the image they present to others. So they feel that they have to embellish the truth and put on a polished persona for everyone, including themselves, to see and admire. But what they long to hear is that you are loved and valued for simply being you. Okay, so that's type three. Here's type eight. Type eights, their core fear is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, vulnerable, manipulated, and left at the mercy of injustice. They desire to protect themselves and those in their like closest inner circle. Now, their core weakness is lust or excess, and this is where they're continually desiring intensity, control, and power, and they're going to push themselves willfully on life and maybe on people in order to get what they want. Now, we call them a snowplow, the big diesel snowplow up in the north, which you remember from back in the days in New Jersey. Like, you got to have those big diesel snowplows, not a little Ford pickup truck. Brutal winners. (laughs) Right. So when uh, type eight is healthy, they're getting people behind them and they're plowing a path for them, which is amazing. And when they're not as healthy, it could be the opposite (laughs) or anywhere in between. But what the eights long to hear is that you will not be betrayed. Now, last but not least is type two. Um, The type two's fear being rejected and unwanted, being thought of as worthless, needy, Um, insignificant, dispensable, and unworthy of love. They desire to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. Now, their core weakness is pride. And this is where they're denying their own needs and emotions while remaining completely focused on the needs and emotions of others. And then they confidently insert their helpful support, guidance, um, care, in hopes that others will finally be grateful for what they've offered. Um, what they long to hear is you are wanted and loved. So just looking at the core motivations of those three, 
what resonates the most to you, what sticks out, and you can kind of go back and forth, just make sure you say what type it is, um, but what it really sticks out the most and why. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, kind of off of the, kind of off the rip, right? Like um, all of these, they, they definitely resonate with me just in general, which is kind of funny. Like I, I, I didn't really anticipate that initially, but um they, there's all things about the three of them that, that really resonate. And I'll, I'll kind of even talk through that. Right. So like in the type three, um, you know, in, in, in the core fear, it talks about being inefficient or worthless. And I, that, you know, that definitely strikes a nerve, right? Like one of the things that I've even found myself saying to my wife or to some, you know, people that are really close friends and stuff like that is that I just like, like, I just want to contribute. I just want to make, I want to be, I want to make this, I want this place or this thing or whatever it is to be better because I'm there, you know? And so that really hits a nerve with me, right? Like I want to, you know, and it's even kind of like that core longing of, of, uh, of value, right? Being valued. So that immediately kind of, kind of speaks to me. And then even with the type eight, um, it's funny that because the core desire in the type eight is probably worded way more uh, closely to what I, to how I feel, right? Like as a desire, protect themselves and those in their circle. I'm a huge, uh, like loyalist, you know, it, it's, it's my thing. I love people when I'm, when I'm for you, there is nothing I will not do. Right. Like there's no there's no, there's not an ask that's too big or, or off the table. And one of my biggest things is I just want to take care of the people that I love. And so like core desire from the type eight, it, I mean, it's just like, spot on so 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 spot on and then i and then you know the type two even touching with that it's funny the um right like it it goes along with the core desire but even in the summary as we were talking through it of just prioritizing relationships um and even in a unhealthy way at times putting people and those relationships ahead of myself in an effort to like win them over or to, you know what I mean? Um, to get mm-hmm. that feedback. Right. So I, I definitely see how all of these, they, they yeah. touch a nerve for sure. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes. From May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. 
There are 90-minute sessions, and there's eight of them. Plus, you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yeah, which is, you know, kind of what had them all rise up to the top of the surface, right? Um, Well, great. So when I'm doing a typing interview, I always let those that I'm working with understand that I'm going to ask you a lot of why questions, you know, like in a normal conversation that can be unnerving, like, why do you keep asking me why? Like, am I saying something wrong? You know? And it's like, you're not saying anything wrong. Like all of that is super helpful for me to hear your heart and your point of view. But a lot of times what we say first is almost kind of the top of the iceberg. It's like, yeah, these are my, you know, hopes and desires, but why, you know, like what's going on beneath that? And so sometimes we have to say, ask why, or, um, you know, like, let's go a little bit deeper on that, um, to really get to the core because, you know, eights want to be, you know, they don't want to be inefficient and they want to be capable and competent too, you know, uh, same with, same with some too. So there's some of these words that are going to resonate with any of the types, but again, we got to get to that core of why. Mm -hmm. So, um, as I kind of walk through some of what I'm going to be talking about, just recognize that if I ask you why it is not (laughs) to be an offense, (laughs) it's, it's, it's actually just to pull out more of who you truly are so that I can hear that part of you. So now with the three, just to kind of give a clearer picture of the three. So the three, again, with that core weakness of deceit. So the threes really believe that they have to achieve and achieve and achieve, um, or they're not going to be loved or valued. So for them, it is a constant pursuit of others seeing their achievements. Um, now, a lot of times threes do a fantastic job by setting up goals, mission statements, uh, checklists, to-do list, and they really start from the the end and make a list of working, you know, backwards. So I want to become a doctor. Okay, well, well, what does that mean? What do I need to do? And they figure out all the ways they need to get that accomplished. Yeah. I want to um, become a pastor. Okay. Well, what does that mean? And they work backwards and threes don't go after something unless they're pretty confident that they can be successful at it. Um, so if, you know, someone's like, I'd love to be a doctor, but I'm really, really horrible at school or whatever it is (laughs) like, okay, well let's go somewhere else. Now, some of them might just go for it and work hard and have to really press through it. But usually threes, they're so fearful of failure that they're going to find something comparable or similar in order to not set themselves up for failure. So they're really setting themselves up for success and they are so good at what they do. Um, But it's really about image, okay? It is about what others see because remember the core longing, they want to hear that they are loved and valued for simply being them. What they truly believe is they're as good as their last success. So like a place kicker, you're you're as good as your last kick. Well, the three things, I'm as good as my last success. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely dependent upon what others see, my image. So they care immensely of do others see what value I bring and the accomplishments. So a lot of times threes will actually talk to people about their accomplishments and others might perceive that as bragging or being a little arrogant. But if you understand it from the heart of the three, it's like, well, you weren't there with me all day or this last year, this last decade uh, to see all that I've accomplished. And I need you to know that because if you don't know that, well, what's there to love about me? Like that's how a three thinks. And so it's not just about their image, like boost me up. It's I really want to know that I'm valued. Do you see it? 
And so that's really where it's coming from, the heart of a three. Does that resonate with you? It's about image and showing people all that you do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm just even, I'm just thinking as you're like even saying all these things, I'm thinking through moments in in my life where that that absolutely makes a lot of sense. Even just like, even, hey, I, I cleaned the entire house and I did all these things. And it's not anything like monumental or anything that needs to be like, applauded but it's like i i just want that yes. like hey i want you to see like i'm really you know i'm doing this like i i care and i i want to do this right like and yeah. i want to contribute i want to add value right i want to be valued yes yes um, well cool okay so that's that's kind of the three space let's jump into eight so eights also want to be you know valued and competent and capable and all those things and eights are super competent and capable they have this surge of energy. They they live from a gut instinct space, and they're they're both reason and um, well, actually, all three of these are very confident types. But eights are super confident. The biggest difference, though, is that the eights it's not about their image. They are not doing what they do to get the accolades and the praise from others. Now, I mean, and sometimes they're actually a little suspicious if someone does it too much, you know. Um, for them, it really has to do with it. Are other people harming, controlling, challenging me? Am I being manipulated? Am I am I at a vulnerable place here where they can blindside me and harm me? Like, what's really going on with this person in front of me? And so, being betrayed and blindsided and manipulated is a huge thing. Left at that mercy of injustice is a huge mm. thing. So. And remember, we all think we see through the same lens. So we treat others the way we want them to treat us, right? Yeah. That's just what we do. So AIDS want others to be honest and straightforward, even if it hurts. Like they want to know exactly where you're coming from. Therefore, that's how they are with others. So they feel like it's very loving and honoring to be as honest and straightforward as possible. Now that can come across to others as being very blunt, aggressive, harmful, hurting the relationship. But a lot of times the eight is like, but I'm just telling you the truth. Um, and they feel like that is an honoring place to be. Um, the other thing is, you know, what eights want, they go get. And they have their kind of their own uh, moral code of what's right and wrong. Um, and they're just a force of nature. You know, they go and they get what they want. And it's definitely not about image. So it's like, hey, if they want to go get something, and other people think that's, you know, the inappropriate way of doing things or that's going to tarnish your image. They're like, and, you know, like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. still going to do it. I'm, I'm going to be me. Like, so that is probably the biggest, one of the biggest differences between threes and eights is eights are who they are. They're not putting on a show. Um, whereas threes, it is a show. They actually have to, they remove their emotions and their true identity. They push it to the side because they think that that will hinder them to get their status that they're wanting others to see. So they're actually putting on that polished persona. Eights are like, I don't think I could ever do that. Like, like actually makes their skin crawl. And they're almost like allergic to putting on a polished persona or something that's not truly them. So just based off those two, when we'll get to two in a little type two in a little bit, does one pop up a little stronger than the other? Yeah, I, I feel like the three definitely resonates more than the eight when when we talk about it that way or when you talk about it that way just because with the type eight as you're describing it the more that you're kind of going into it although there are things about 
the, maybe the approach to how they act um, that I resonate with a lot. I don't, it, it, and like I, for me, you know, being brash or being straightforward and stuff like that, like I, I'm cool with that. Like, great. You know, like mm-hmm. that's when uh, often I have a lot of friends who told me the first time they met me or like when they first met me, it was not a great first impression. Cause it was just like, dude, you don't <laughs> care. Like, <laughs> about uh-huh. anything. and I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't, you know, like I'm just gonna, but I definitely care about me and the value proposition of things and like I definitely care about all of those things a lot more than I would than people would probably even think right that I let on because I definitely don't articulate that maybe as often or or whatever it might be like it they might just think like oh Avery's going and getting it but at the end of the day I I really do care and I really do kind of like well you know what am I doing in here? And I, and I'm not so like worried about other people in the sense that like, I'm like trying to like protect myself or, or protect others. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like as we're talking that I'm getting a big sense of that from the type eight yes. and, and, <laughs> yes. and I'm not like bad things are going to happen in life. I, I, you know, and I'm just like, it, it's a, it's a reality for for me and for others. And, and it's just not something I really dwell on in that sense as much as like, how can I be successful and how can I help people, the people that I really love and care about or having the opportunity to help, right? Like how can I help them and how can I do well and put myself in a position where I can help people? You know what I mean? As opposed to like, I need to protect these people. And I I don't know, there seems to be like a subtle difference there for me. Yeah, there is. Yeah. You're, you're actually right on. Yeah. Eights, are primarily about protection, mm. again, of themselves and others. Um, and so that's a great thing that you're picking up. And for the three, on the other hand, it's about success. Now, a lot of times eights will type themselves as three. Usually eights don't have, <laughs> they like bullet points, and so they're not going to read a ton of information on stuff. <laughs> so usually they get, they read type one, they read type two, they get to type three, and they're like, oh, that's me. You know, they, they'll see the, the phrase like achiever or, um, you know, something of that sort. And they're like, oh yeah, that's me. And it's like, yeah, you guys are amazing achievers. I mean, AIDS can do so much, but again, why they do it is so yeah. different than the three. So yeah, the eight is all about protecting themselves and definitely those that are in their inner circle or the underdog, the underprivileged. Um, that is a huge component of type eights. Now that doesn't mean, cause we use again, all nine types to varying degrees. So eight could be very high. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, even just listening to the short bit of your story, it would totally make sense why you would have a heart that wants to, you know, be on the side of those that are being hurt or harmed. Like, you know, that, that makes total sense, but it sounds like three is kind of winning out a little bit here more than eight. Does that sound true? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I, even just like looking at right, the core desires of the type eight and the type three, um, like it, it's almost as, it, it feels like it's somewhere right in the middle of them. Um, but at the end of the day, like, like the, so the type eight, it's protecting themselves and those in their inner circle. Well, I mean, obviously everybody cares about themselves to a degree, but I'm not really worried about protecting. Like I, I'm not worried about being taken advantage of. I, I just, it's not something that I even think about, but, um, but I do think about like, man, 
I want to be valuable, right, to the people around me, right? I want to be very successful because I want it. And then that's where the type eight, like it, it really, it's like, oh man, I could be a type eight. Like, cause, cause it gets those, you know, the inner circle, right? Like being there for them. But it's really, it, it's, I think it's out of a place of like, I want to be really valuable. I, I want to be really valuable. I want to be really successful. Great. Well, let's move to type two um, because <clears throat> I think we can kind of tie these three together because all three um, obviously play a very significant role in you. So what about type two resonates and what doesn't resonate? Oof. <laughs> what doesn't? Uh, um, yeah, I, I definitely am hospitality driven, right? Like really, really relational. So I, I, from this, right, like core desire being appreciated, loved and wanted, um, which really is, you know, we could, you could easily, cause it, you know, there's more words you could say, you could say to be valued. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You mean that I, I want to be significant. I want to be needed. I want to be wanted, yeah. you know, so do those words resonate pretty strongly? Yeah, definitely. And I think just like, you know, in the summary for the type two, it's talking about making sure that the people around you feel loved and cared for. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. and that like taking care of them and, you know, that in their needs and, and things like that. And like that, those things resonate with me a ton. Like I don't, you know, it, it goes back to that sense of like loyalty deep down. Like if you're someone I know and not just know, but someone that I actually care about, right. Like if you're close to me, I want to do, everything in my power to help you and to help take care of you and make sure that you feel as loved and as cared for so you're like you can do your thing you know what i mean <laughs> yeah 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 so looking at the difference between let's say three and um two so threes are very self-focused. And let me just kind of frame this, especially for our audience. Mm -hmm. In the Christian space, um, if there's a spectrum of being very self-focused and others-focused, the Christian culture says, oh, well, you must be others-focused, you know, never self-focused, yeah. right? But either spectrum on either side can be harmful, right? If we're too self-focused, that is not good. If we're too others-focused, we're getting into codependency, right? Mm -hmm. And enabling people. So Christ demonstrates that balance of the in-between. Christ took care of himself. He got up early in the morning, was with his heavenly father, you know, did all the things that he needed for self-care so that he could pour into the disciples and pour into other people and heal. So Christ demonstrated a great balance between self-focus and others-focus. So when I say that, I, I want to I bring that up because when I say threes are mainly self-focused, that in the Christian world can be looked way down upon when it's like, well, if it's in a healthy way, it's actually a really good thing. Um, but threes are very much more on the spectrum of being more self-focused, their achievements, their goals. Uh, what are people seeing? Do they see me? Um, they're imaged. 
their success. But then the twos, on the other hand, can be way on the other side of the spectrum of being too others focused. Mm-hmm. Um, they and that's where the pride comes in. So the core weakness of the uh, two is that they're denying their own needs and emotions. It's almost like they refuse to even acknowledge or look at them because they're so fixated on the needs and emotions of others. And they're going to, and, and twos have this superpower. Like when they walk into a room, they know exactly who, what people are feeling and what needs are in the room. And they really hone in on those that have the greatest need that they know they can meet. And they kind of move into that space. Um, and that's a superpower. And so what they do, though, is they confidently insert their helpful support in hopes that others will show appreciation of how thoughtful they were. Now, again, that can be all the way from healthy to unhealthy. Um, Now, when it's healthy, it's like, hey, I have this superpower of knowing, you know, that you have this need. Um, Would it be okay if I if I helped you in this? But usually for a two, that's like, why would I ask? I know they have a need. I'm just going to go in and (laughs) take care of the need. And so they confidently insert themselves. And others might be like, whoa, 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 you know, um, thank you, but uh, healthy boundaries here, please. You know, can you kind of step back? And the two's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? I'm just trying to love. I'm just trying to be helpful and valuable to you. Um, And so that's really kind of what's going on with the two. It's very self, I mean, others-focused, connection, relationships, knowing um, how to support and nurture um, but again, what they're, they're doing all of that because they fear rejection. They fear that others are going to think that they're being selfish and then reject them. But what they long to hear is you are wanted and loved, that you don't have to do all of these things for people that you are unconditionally loved. So that compared to the three being more, uh, self-focused. Now, again, you're using both of them to a large degree. Yeah. Uh, which one really stands out the most and why? Man, um, Talking through the type two, there, there's so much about it that that is really, really resonating, you know. Um, yeah, definitely with like just just being there for people, that, that really, really huge relational component being very um, outward focused as opposed to inward focused. Uh, that that especially I think resonates with me uh, as we talk through the the typings right the, in this type two is that like um like I'm just focused on other people and focused on a lot of like what their needs are and you know you um it's it's definitely kind of I mean it seems to be really really on par with things right you know or or to make a lot it's it seems to be making a lot more sense um, that that that's great. Be, yeah, that that might be closer to my typing. I don't know. This is what's really fun is so when I'm typing someone, you know, there's a lot of things that come up because there's a lot of parts to us, right? The nine parts. And it's like, oh, yeah, that totally resonates. Oh, gosh, that's a little bit more, you know, and like and then it then the person like you're like I can see in your face like, oh, wait, now I'm a little confused. Why? <laughs> I. I thought I knew, or I thought it was in the right direction, but wait, what just happened? So let me kind of show you a little bit about the Enneagram to kind of give you a little bit better of an understanding of why you might be a little tripped up, okay? So what we're doing right now, for those that are listening, we're looking at the Enneagram symbol. So actually we're looking at the Enneagram paths, but for right now, just let's look at the Enneagram symbol. Mm -hmm. So 
what I want you to recognize and what we'll kind of walk through is that we're not just one type, okay? We have a main type that reigns supreme, and it is literally the motivating factor of all that we think, feel, and, and behave. But we're connected to so many other types. Like I said, we use all nine type, but we have ones that we're really connected to really strongly. So if we just look at type two here on the symbol, the wings, so these are the two numbers directly next to your main type. So let's say you are a type two, then you would have wings of one and three, mm. which means you don't become the one and three with their core motivations. They impact you. Your core motivations stay true of the two, but you bring on some of the attributes, whether healthy all the way to unhealthy of these other two numbers. So you will, as a two, if that's your main type, still have the motivation of relationships, helping, nurturing, being there for people, giving of yourself. Um, to the point where you've poured out yourself too much and you actually need some, some time to take care of your own self. So if that's you, you also are going to bring in a lot of three qualities, okay? And some people use one of their wings more than the other, but we use both. Um, so let's say you were a two with a three wing, which would mean, okay, I'm a two, but I use a, I, I do care about success. I do care about doing things well and achieving but so does the one. The one is very responsible. They want to do what's right. Um, and so the twos can pull from both of those. Um, not only that, but the two, as you see, has a line connected to eight. And so that's what this diagram is kind of talking about right here is what do these lines actually mean? So I'm going to go down to the type two to give a little bit uh, better uh, visual representation for you. So when and, and just for our audience to also hear very clearly, we use both the healthy all the way to the unhealthy of both the types we're connected to. I know that in Enneagram 101 speak, we talk about the stress path and the growth path. And like, it's almost like that's it. That's not it. That's just Enneagram 101. There's Enneagram mm -hmm. 2.0, you know, whatever you want to call it, 102. So what you're seeing here is that next level of teaching. So I'm just going to take you through type two first, and we're going to see what you think and feel and you get when going through this. Yeah. So type two, when a type two is under stress, they're going to take up some of the average to the unhealthy aspects of type eight. For the two, they can become, when they're under stress, they can become irritable if their love and support are ignored and rejected. They can become controlling, aggressive and demanding reactions from others um, towards themselves, like, you know, wh why are they not um, coming through for me? Why aren't they appreciating me? So they can get a little bit more blunt and aggressive and kind of irritable. Um, but they can also threaten to withdraw their support and care. Like, well, fine, you know, if you won't appreciate or be grateful for what I'm going to give you, then I'll, you know, give my support and care to those that do. Um, and they can then start to um, blame their problems and maybe even manipulate others. And so it's, this is, and it can become this uh, mama bear effect, you know, so they can become very protective of those that they see that are being harmed, that they really care about. They're going to go the extra mile to do whatever it takes. And that eight kind of quality of plowing a path or plowing over people can definitely come into the works for a type two when they're under stress. Does that resonate with you? Mm definitely like the the manipulate or blame problems on people right like in, in in times of stress that definitely i could see that as a, a tendency of something that i i can do when i'm not in a great place <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly yeah and it's when we're not in a great place 
And so let's go all the way to the very right side of um, these four boxes, which is showing the healthiest path to type eight. So when a two is really doing well, they're aligned with the truth of the gospel, they can move towards the healthy side of eight. And this is where they express their emotions in a balanced way, Uh, not being passive aggressive or manipulative, but they say what they need and they actually do it. They shift their attention away from what others think of them. So meaning they're not consumed with, do people love me? Do they respect me? Um, Am I valuable? It's they start to recognize I am unconditionally loved and valued by Jesus Christ himself. And it fills me up completely. Now that doesn't mean you don't care what others think. Of course, we want to be very kind and thoughtful and all those things, but it's not the fuel that runs our internal life. Yeah, Jesus would fuel that. And then the last is becoming more independent and self-affirming. So twos can can really get into serving others so much that they, it's not that they lose themselves uh, because they still know themselves and they're very definitive on what they want, but they, they become almost dependent on caring for others. And this is where the two is like, oh, you know what? I have times where I need to care for myself and have space so I can recharge and then really bless others. And they actually take the time to actually do that. Does this resonate when you're at your best? Yeah, definitely. This, I I feel like this has been probably the most uh, like clarifying thing so far in in our conversation, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, because I, you know, like it, it's, it's obviously saying in a healthy space going towards that type eight and I read that type eight and I'm like, oh yeah, this is like so accurate. Um, you know what I mean? In like so many times. And then I'm thinking through like, well, actually, right. Like the core motivation being though, um, being so different right then the sick it's not just success but it's it's out of appreciation and love and and that makes so much more sense like that this i'm actually kind of like geeking out right now it's really i know right this is this is why i love coaching because i love watching people's aha moments like this is making so much more sense and then um because really what i hear you saying just as a narrative of your life it, it is a combination of the two with a three. So you are wanting to be successful on the behalf of others. Is that correct? A hundred percent. I want to be successful because I want to take care of the people I love. And to take care of the people I love, I got to be successful. Like in my mind, right? Obviously, that's not necessarily just the truth, but like I need to be successful to do that. Right. It's- and the And the biggest difference between twos and eights are, like you said, I don't really sit around worrying, are people going to betray and harm me? And like, I'm not like, yeah, I mean, that's a a thing for every human, obviously, to some degree, but I'm really fixated on how others are doing, like that relationship component and being there for them. And so that's why as I was listening to these things, I'm hearing three and I'm hearing eight for sure. But I'm like, hmm, they're not resi- <laughs> They're not coming to the surface as much as I want to be there for people. Like that's, I see a spark in your eye when that comes to the fruition. Now, to finish this off in the Enneagram Pass, one more path that you have is two going to four. Okay. Now, most of the time when people are listening to the podcast, they're like, yep, yeah, twos go to four in growth. True. 
But we also, or twos can also go to the average, the unhealthy parts of four, and we call this the blind spot path. Now we, we train our, all of our certified coaches in this um, and really recommend that people get to know these four paths deeply. But the blind spot path is really what we're like when we're around the people uh, we feel most comfortable with, which is usually our family, maybe, just maybe a close friend, depends on how close you are to them. So when a two is going to the average unhealthy parts of four in their blind spot path with their family, they can be more open to share their feelings, their needs, their darker, darker ambitions and cravings of life. They can express their disappointments in others with like their close person, next, like not about them, but just like others that they see. And they can become moody, temperamental and self-absorbed. And they're going to start to treat themselves to goodies um, and become self-indulgent. Now, what I mean by that is we want twos to have good self-care, but they feel like that's being selfish. So they do these kind of self-indulgences, thinking that that self-care, when it's just a little band-aid, is actually not doing real self-care work. So twos will constantly talk about how depleted they are, how tired they are, how they really don't have much to, to give, but they feel this need, this urge, this compulsion to give of others. So they're, they're literally operating off fumes a lot of the time. So they'll do this like little indulgences because they're like, well, I don't want people to think I'm being selfish uh, by taking care of myself. And so they'll do these little indulgences. Does this resonate with you in kind of at home? Now, we wouldn't do these things at all, like just around anyone else. Okay. So like you wouldn't be doing any of this stuff with just like your coworkers or um, people around the street, like almost like this kind of feels like, I don't like even like seeing this. I definitely, yeah. I mean, I don't, the, it's hard for me to think through like the, actually, you know what? Yeah. It, it actually does make sense. As The more I think about it, you know, I, I definitely see where, especially like, the openly share your feelings, needs, darker ambitions and cravings that is talking about in this blind spot path, right? Or even expressing disappointments in others. That's a that's a big one. I know that. Like I n- I never really ever talk to anybody uh, about things like that. Um, but who would be the safe? quote, safe person, you can let your kind of quote unquote, let your hair down. And yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife is definitely one of them. Um, for sure. Right. Like, obviously, if unless like we're having conflict, then obviously, I'm not going to talk to her about it. <laughs> or that could be difficult. <laughs> right, to work yeah. through. But um, no, yeah. but my wife, um, you know, my pastor, Joey, uh, and he's phenomenal to talk to. He's been a, a godsend. And I'm really thankful for our friendship and how it's grown over the last year or so. Um, yeah. And do you find like with your wife that you, um, you know, do you feel like weary, tired, exhausted, spent um, with so much going on? Because there's so many people who you want to bless and serve and help or need your help. And you're just kind of like, oh, man, I'm just like exhausted. I'm tired or I'm spent in some way. Um, I don't not really. I'm not really. Uh. And and I think that's why I was so like difficult for me to nail down like a type and, and even going through because I, I don't really feel that way. Um, I just get burdened with like, I need to do more to help yes, them. Yes, yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, like it, it's like a well that never runs out. And it, so, but that can be really stressful. And then it leads to these moments where I'm like with her and I'm just dumping, right? Like I'll just have to. Right. And so, okay. That's what I'm, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And so that is something just to be, if, if you're two, so we're not landing a hundred percent on there yet. I think that's kind of the trajectory we're heading towards. But if you are two, then one thing to be mindful of is, is twos are always super busy, right? Because there's so many needs, there's so many relationships, they have such a huge heart, a generosity and wanting to give and serve. And I mean, if you think about it, really, there are 7.8 billion people on this planet who truly have needs. Like, and I feel for twos because you have that superpower of knowing other people's needs. Like you feel it, you see it. Like it's just, it's something that others can't see. And so you feel this like, but I need to help. Like, look at all these people, like, right just in front of me, let alone layers behind them, you know? And so it, there is a sense of exhaustion because, like you said, there's never not another person that has, you know, that you couldn't help. So so that's the blind spot path. And the reason why I call the blind spot path is because we really don't necessarily know or see all of the components of the blind spot path because <laughs> we don't want to. And <laughs> It, it's not something we really kind of think about. And it, we only usually do it with just a few people. Um, but but let's look at going to type four once again at, and the growth path. So right next to this box of the blind spot path is a growth path. Now, this is when the two moves to the healthy side of four. And this is when you start to see and own your unhealthy motives and ask for forgiveness. So twos it's more of a give to get situation when they're not doing well. Okay. I am giving, serving, helping, hoping that you will appreciate, be grateful for, cause then I'll feel loved and valued. So when they recognize this and realize, Oh, I'm actually trying to get something. They start to ask for forgiveness, but we still want twos to help and serve, but it's coming from the right place, their heart, right? When they know they're unconditionally loved and loved by Christ and all of those things, then the overflow of their heart is literally giving, but they don't need to get. Now, is it great for someone to be appreciative? Yes. And it's going to be like, oh, that's awesome. I love it. Man, thank you, Jesus, for that. That is so fun. Um, but it's not a desperation to get something from another human being or situation. Now, the other thing is that the twos will start to take care of their own needs and emotions, but in a way that is very healthy and aligned. Um, they're going to accept painful feelings, including anger, sadness, and loneliness, And they're also going to believe that they are wanted and loved apart from what they actually do from others. Does this resonate when you're healthy? Yeah, definitely. Especially the like taking care of your needs, emotions, right? And and really accepting those emotions for what they are, right? Anger, sadness, any any emotion that you could probably say is like a not good emotion, right? (laughs) You know, Um, which is, I know even that is like a silly thing to think necessarily. So this is the conflict coping style stance. Okay. The triad. Now, if you look all the way to the right, the types twos, sevens, and nines, they're in the optimistic triad. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, these types generally see things from an optimistic and bright light, bright side. You know, they want to say like, everything's going to be fine. Let's, you know, let's move forward. How can I help you? We're going to get there. Um, does that resonate with you? Yeah, no, definitely. Like there's, there's hope. I've got to be in a, yes. I've got to be in a really bad spot if I just feel like hopeless. So. <laughs> yes. 
And this is where, as you can see, kind of towards the bottom for the two, they tend to bypass their own emotions, needs, and disappointments to stay optimistic. But a healthy two can actually be in both spots, right? Yeah. Like, you know what? I am struggling, but there's hope in Jesus, right? Yeah. And and we and we can follow him. So it can be a both and. But when we're in our kind of autopilot state, we can forget and try to do it in our own strength. Um, now, the last thing I'd love for you just to take a look at is on page nine. Mm-hmm. So just to let our audience know, I've put together several sheets with different parts of um, the Enneagram for both or for all three types, the three, the eight and the two for um, every to for us to go back and forth um, yeah. just on anything that might pop up. So one thing I'd love for to see is if you can read the social two, the one in the middle. Yeah. And if you can just read it out loud just so that our audience can hear and then let me know, did that really resonate with you or not? social ambition. This is the more adult subtype. They tend to desire more power and are excellent at seducing or wooing an audience, looking more like a type three or eight. They tend to be generous to get people to follow them and see them as influential and competent. They feel loved by having an important place in the lives of friends, family, and colleagues and fear being left out. They make themselves indispensable by supporting, advising, and helping out the group or community. Yeah, I, I definitely think it resonates a lot. Um, there's maybe little things wording-wise that I would say like, oh, I don't know about that 100%, but the overall tone of it, like for sure. Um, like I, I love, like, like the third point is, you know, having love, having an important place in the lives of friends, family, and colleagues, right? Like that is so spot on. Like I love that. I love being a part of people's lives and like having a place in your life and like, you know, through all of it. So like, that's, that's an absolute, uh, like that to me really hits the mark. That's awesome. Well, so the reason why I kind of picked and highlight that, that one, and normally what I would do, like, let's say in a real typing session, I'd have you read all three and just confirm and make sure which you can, you have this now. So you can kind of take a look at it. We use all three of these to varying degrees, but this one is the closest one for the type two that is a lookalike to type three and eight, mm. which of course we've been talking about now, um, which, so this type of two is called ambition and it's not ambition in the sense of, I mean, there is, you know, some status and success and being capable and competent, like a type three for sure. Um, but it's the type two, like it says, that's more adultish. So another type two subtype is more childish. They're trying to get people's attention by being more the one in need. It's the counter type. Um, and, and the other subtype also wants others to meet their needs. And so this one is definitely the one that is willing to roll up their sleeves, get out there, get it done uh, on the behalf of others, like you said, for the connection, the relationship, the love component towards others. And so that's why I wanted you to kind of just read this one because it felt like it was encompassing a lot of what we've been talking about. And also just to kind of go back and, you know, as we look at the symbol one more time, so whichever, whichever page you're going to look at, but if you look at it one more time, you can see how the three is right next door. And so that could be, again, you use both your one and your three wings. We all use both wings, but you might lean more heavily just in your everyday life in the three sphere, um, especially being potentially the social three, I mean, the social two 
it looks a lot like three as well. So those two are going to play off one another. And then you can uh, utilize and access that eight, both again, in the healthy all the way to the unhealthy components. And I think by seeing how the Enneagram just in a brief moment, of course, there's so much more you could learn and dive into, but just seeing in a brief moment, it's like, Oh, that's why those numbers are popping up so much. Like it makes sense. Does that, is that how it feels for you? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. It, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, even just, it, it makes so much sense. It really does. And even like it, you know, it's funny you, you were saying earlier, like you asked like, why, or why is that? Or um, just kind of mm-hmm. digging. And it, the more I think that that plays out or the more that we really dig into that, or I even contemplate that as we're talking through this, right. It, it makes more sense. It, it, it tends to make more and more sense. Like it, it really is so much less about the success as it is the love from people and for people. You know? um, right. And it's, it's so much less of the protection, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, and that's what I love seeing is that, okay, so when we, that's why we always go back to the core motivations. So again, if people want to look at the core motivations, all nine of them go to your Enneagram forward slash core motivations, and you'll get a PDF free PDF of all the core motivations and everything comes back to the core motivations. So as you start to learn to how and why you relate to your wife, your coworkers, your parent, you know, all of these things, then it all comes back to the core motivations. And that is what we start teaching at your Enneagram coach. And then we dig deeper into some of the different layers and components so that we can help people not only grow themselves personally, but also in all of their relationships. And so now you have a great framework of why you're doing what you're doing and the motivations behind it, the fears, et cetera. And then you want to start to learn, okay, well, how does Christ satisfy this? So your core longing as a type two is to be to be told you are wanted and loved. And here's the great news. Jesus Christ loved you unconditionally. He literally left his throne to be born in a stinky manger, live a perfect life, which was a hard life, to be betrayed, beaten, and to die, to rise again, all because he loves you unconditionally to bring you back to him. So he pursues you because you have so much value to him, not based off of what you've done for others, not based off how much love you give to others. None of that. It's based off of solely of his pure love for you. And that is the gospel transformation for a type two. Does that resonate? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really is. It really is. Spot on. And now that obviously translates to all the nine types, but each type has this core longing that we're looking for from others or our career or something here on this planet, but only Christ can satisfy. But the good news is he already has. And so it's been put on us, but it's a continual reminding ourselves of what he's already done and continues to do in and through us that brings real transformation. So as you start to learn and grow as a two, you are loved and wanted, not because you love others well, though that's an important component here on earth, but it's because of Christ's unconditional love for you. And that is your fuel, that is your air, that is your food um, that you will nurture yourself in so that you'll fill yourself up, you know, with like a, like a gas tank, fill yourself up so you can actually give to others in a way that is not a give to get. It is simply a give. Yeah, yeah no, that that's so good. And it, it really, it really does make, you know, I, I guess I, 
when you know it's funny because I guess when things are great, you don't really put much thought towards thought towards it, right? Like you don't necessarily put that much in intention as to like, well, how am I behaving and why why is the why are things so great or whatever it might be or or how that plays out, but even as I, I think about that after hearing it and just kind of sitting with it for just a moment, it's true. And, and when I am in that really healthy space and, and obviously like just emotionally, like in touch with where I'm at and, um, and expressing that in really healthy ways and stuff like that, like I don't worry about if I'm loved or not because it's a, it's a present reality, right? Like, like, yeah, Jesus loves me and I'm so sure of it. And it's, I'm not working for something, you know, right, right. that's really cool. And, and what does that, like, does that bring like a whole new level of just peace and, um, energy maybe? Yeah. I, I think definitely a sense of like tranquility, you know, a, a, a lot of peace for sure. It, and it, it's really affirming for me to just like, okay, it's, you know, there's definitely like take some time and, you know, I'm going to, now I'm like, okay, how, how can I take some time and, and really be in touch emotionally with myself and, and where I'm at and, and what are, what are really healthy ways that I can express that? Because I think that's for me, um, that's one of the biggest components I think to it, uh, at least in how it plays out for me practically. Like I don't, the indulgence and stuff, I definitely see those tendencies. They're, they're definitely a part of this. Don't get me wrong. But I think more often than not, it plays out in this, like I'm, I'm squashing this emotional stuff that I'm going through because I have this sense of like what I want to do and how I want to do it. And like what I want from people or I want for people. And the reality is, is like, if I get just, if I can take care of this stuff and be in a good place, like I have in the past. And as I'm even thinking about and reflecting on now, it makes all of that so much, so much better. Like just the way life plays out and how I'm able to like actually love people for who they are and like, not for what they might have to offer or how it could be like some kickback to me or even how like I can just be so great to them in the hopes of getting something like, like it, it really does just become such a, a lot less, a lot more independent, which is a weird thing for me. I don't know that I would have ever said that before. Exactly. Which is that eight path, right? You're yeah. still a two, but you're like, yeah, I need, I need to care for myself. Yeah. And here's the thing, exactly what you're saying that I want to encourage twos, including yourself, is that Jesus took care of himself first. Now, a lot of times he's like, oh, I'm trying to be Christ-like, you know? I'm like, okay, well, if you want to be Christ-like, let's take a really good look at Christ. Yeah. Yes, he did serve others, but he also knew what he needed, and that was always spending time reconnecting with his father, being with his father yeah. alone in the morning. And so he is your good example of making sure that you're getting totally replenished with the good news of the gospel and, and more dialed in specifically to what you need to hear you know what? I am loved unconditionally. And today I get the joy of serving and loving others, but it's not because I'm trying to get love. It's because I am loved Yeah. and I can, I can give of the overflow of my heart and I can actually say no 
when it is not right for me to do it because God is sovereign and he will bring other people into their lives if it is not the right thing for me to do. And that doesn't diminish my value, doesn't diminish who I am because he's a sovereign one and he's the one that ultimately takes care of 7.8 billion people, <laughs> not me. Yeah. No, yeah, man. <laughs> it's it's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> well, it is a joy to walk you through the process. Sounds like you are doing an awesome job. And again, we want you to be a two. We want you to give of yourself, but just from that healthy, right place. Um, and so I hope that this was just as beneficial as it was to me, as I know as it, as it will be with the audience. Man, that's so good. Thank you so much for this. This has been really, Absolutely. really cool to, to go through. Yeah. So just for everyone listening, we are actually opening our Become an Enneagram Coach uh, certification program here from November 1st to the 10th. So if you want to do all the amazing things that I love doing, which is right here, helping people find their types, coaching them through life, watching God do big aha transformational process, join us with um, the Become an Enneagram Coach certification program. But remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's only the gospel that transforms us. Thanks guys for joining us. Bye-bye.